USAA is proudly celebrating 100 years of serving the military community. It was a group of soldiers who launched USAA in 1922 by joining together to insure each other's vehicles when no one else would. Since then, USAA has grown to more than 13 million members strong. And through it all, one thing has remained. USAA is still serving the military community and their families. Find out more at USAA.com slash 100. And hot! Welcome to the Veterans Voice, presented by USAA. Veterans Voice is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, originating from the Optum Podcast Studio in partnership with podcast channel sponsor, Medicare Mentors, technology partner, Colorado Computer Support, and supporting partner, the WireNut Home Services. Today, we welcome Dr. Hadani from Aviv Clinics. Dr. Hadani serves as the Chief Medical Officer of Health and Research at Aviv Clinic. So, Dr. Hadani, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for what you're doing with uh, with the clinic and helping people out. So, you guys specialize in neurotherapy, uh, mostly hyperbaric is kind of your main focus. But explain to me what you guys do. Explain to me your guys' process and, and how it's helping. First thing. So, first of all, thanks for having us, uh, having me. It's a uh, great pleasure to do it. And I hope... Um, we can really uh, explain and educate about what we do. So yes, in uh, Aviv, what we do, we're all about neuro re rehabilitation. We take different indications that we have found through research, uh, through meticulous research over the past 16 years, both myself and Professor Shai Fradi have been engaging um, in researching different indications, neurological indications that can benefit from hyperbaric oxygen therapy and once we found them beneficial, we have devised a plan, a medical program that usually lasts for three months to rehabilitate those indications. Those include stroke patients, traumatic brain injury patients, cognitive decline that may involve well, with pathological cognitive decline or aging-related decline, and recently, post-traumatic stress disorder. We've also researched uh, pain-related uh, syndromes, and when we I talk about that, usually I mention central pain syndrome. Um, we can talk about that later, what most people call uh, fibromyalgia. So all these indications have been researched and validated to have benefit with our program. So what we do here, we get patients from all over the country, and we assess them. That's the first thing we do for any patients coming in. We do an assessment that is very comprehensive to understand the patient's capabilities, both cognitively, emotionally, and physically, and then correlate them with their brain imaging. And the reason we're doing this is this is what we found out. We found out all these indications I mentioned can be referred as brain wounds meaning a wound in the brain or a non-healing wound in the brain that we may be able to help. So when you say brain wound, um, my head instantly goes to, you know, blood and like scar tissue and, and things yeah. like that. So is that, which is, is that, I mean, is it basic like that? Or are you talking about wounds that aren't, aren't, you can't see, you know, they're those, those trauma, like you said, the PTSD and things like uh, things along those lines of, is that part of that brain wound also? 
Yes, let's let's so let's d- dive deeper. So hyperbaric oxygen therapy started as uh, obviously started from diving, but then uh, as a treatment for chronic non-healing wounds. And like you can think about diabetic patients that have those wounds in their legs or other uh, parts of their bodies and they do not heal because those areas do not get enough blood, not enough energy uh, and oxygen to heal themselves. So you put these types of patients inside hyperbaric oxygen therapy, you are able to regenerate tissue and re- and heal that uh, wounds. What we found is brain wounds um, or wounds in the brain can behave similarly. The process of healing a, a wound in the brain that can involve actual trauma, physical trauma from a brain injury or a stroke, meaning literally parts of the brain tissue has been damaged. Okay, so can involve blood, but it can also involve the opposite, the lack of blood. So in stroke, for instance, we have different arteries that have been occluded, and now a tissue suffering from ischemia, the lack of blood supply. So that area simply starts to degenerate. And then you have a wound, an area that doesn't heal, that suffered a significant injury, whether it was a traumatic injury in the military or a stroke. Mm-hmm that suffers from that. If we're going to touch about PTSD, what we found out that emotional trauma can actually cause different specific areas in the brain to dysfunction. These areas do not get the same blood supply as others. We actually found it out um, on a research uh, we've done um, on a different um, indication and we learned about um, something we, we people call as repressed memories. You know, people can suffer significant uh, emotional trauma or even physical trauma and repress it, right? Let's say someone had a childhood sexual abuse. And 20 years later, he doesn't even remember it was because he repressed it. We learned that the mechanism of memory repression is by reducing blood supply for a specific area in the brain. If you're reducing that blood supply, you're reducing the metabolism in that area, you simply repress that memory. And then when we were, uh, you know, coincidentally um, treating those patients without knowing they had repressed memories, when we start to heal wounds, we start to regenerate blood supply. It's a process we call angiogenesis, the structure or building of new blood vessels, all of a sudden you get new blood vessels, new blood supply to those, those areas. All of a sudden, those areas that were repressed now have high metabolism and the memories come up. Wow. So we have resurfacing of repressed memories. So it's almost like turning the light back on in certain parts of your brain. Uh-huh. Exactly. So that's why if we go back to your original question, yes, emotional trauma basically creates a brain wound, meaning an area in the brain that is dysfunctional. That's what we do in Aviv. We're treating dysfunctional areas in the brain that cause neurological indication. 
Optum Colorado. Veterans Voice is produced in the Optum Podcast Studio. Optum Colorado and Mountain View Medical Group, part of Optum, offer 20 clinics through the Pikes Peak region. Their primary and specialty care doctors provide quality, patient-centered care backed by Optum's industry-leading health services and technology. Optum is dedicated to helping our community live healthier while keeping care affordable. Visit OptumCare.com Colorado to learn more and schedule your appointment today. Medicare Mentors. When it's time to consider your Medicare options, it's time to talk with Medicare Mentors. Medicare Mentors, powered by Spark, is veteran-owned, a long-standing Mount Carmel Veteran Service Center partner, and the Veterans Voice podcast channel provider. More than that, they go above and beyond to make sure that when you need them, they are there lending a helping hand. Medicare Mentors, powered by Spark. Always above and beyond. Visit MedicareMentorsLLC.com for more information. How'd you get involved in this? How, what was what what was the catalyst, I guess, for lack of a better term, that got you into this field? So I started my residency in neurosurgery. I'm a neurosurgeon certified. Um, and when I started neurosurgery, and literally when I was in the first year, uh, you mainly do trauma. So we're talking about patients who suffered physical trauma to their brain. And we operate them to serve their lives and try to get them as best as we can on the acute phase. And I started seeing those patients that I operated for uh, as a follow-up, see how they're doing after three months, after six months, even a year after. Um, and I was frustrated, right? I was frustrated. Yes, patients have recovered, but to somewhat, they're very, very disabled and very... Um, you know, not the way they lived before. Obviously, yeah. their quality of life has suffered a significant hit. And then I, I, I talked to my MD thesis mentor, Professor Shai Friday, who just started um, acting as the director of the Hyperbaric Chamber in the Shamir Medical Center. And I told him about this. And he said, you know, I had a couple of cases of people with neurological indications um, getting better, we both are very skeptical coming from very physiological um, residencies. And we said, all right, that that's probably BS, right? <laughs> so we said, but, you know, let's, let's investigate it. Let's take your patients from TBI patients and see what happens. Um, see if we do a randomized controlled trial Half will get the treatment, half won't get the treatment. Do we actually get better neurological outcomes? Yeah. That's what we did. That's that's what got me in that. And and we were shocked, right? We were we were very uh surprised. And I'm and to me, still TBI or traumatic brain injury is exactly why I'm why I'm here, why I'm doing this, because this is the biggest thing um ever. But obviously from that led to understanding the physiological part of brain wounds to understand that yes a physical injury in the brain is exactly what i said earlier that it is a wound and the same processes of regeneration can work there and we can regenerate tissue and improve quality of life so it's not just hey getting a better scan but actually getting better uh, outcomes and when we understood that we said all right let's try and apply it to other indications. It's not going to work on anything, right? It's not, yeah, let's do um, anything and try and see if it works. We have to have the physiological indication or the rational 
from the physiological point of doing this. So that's how we designed our randomized control trials and went from that. So TBI led to stroke patients. And from stroke patients, we advanced to, to pain, the, the central pain patients. Mm -hmm. And from those, we started seeing cognitive decline um, related patients um, from different reasons. And again, our goal is to understand what the physiology behind cognitive decline and see if it if it makes sense to treat them or to design a trial to treat them. Um, and that's got me hooked. That's great. That's right. Great. It's that's literally, you know, people throw the word neuroplasticity out there, but this is it. This is neuroplasticity, meaning the ability to actually improve and regenerate brain capabilities, synapses, connection, structure, and functionality. Um, this is it. This is what we do. So is it regenerating brain tissue or is it just getting brain or getting blood to the parts of the brain that have been lacking that? Is it, or is it both? So I would say both. Okay. So um, obviously there are so many studies done on rats and rabbits and even dogs mm -hmm. um, that you're able to show um, angular genesis, which is the regeneration of blood vessels and reinstituting blood supply. And also neurogenesis, meaning the regeneration of new nerves, new brain cells. Now, the problem, obviously, is when you try to show it in humans, most of our patients would not like a brain biopsy. <laughs> As you may imagine, I, I, I know oh, how to why? do brain biopsies, and so I do take them. A chunk, like... Take a chunk out. <laughs> exactly. So most of them would not want to do it. So... But we actually invest a lot of efforts in doing that with non-invasive techniques. So we've devised different uh, MMRI uh, or imaging modalities to show that, to show that we're both improving structure, meaning neurogenesis, mm -hmm. and perfusion, meaning angiogenesis, new blood vessels, new blood supply. So you mentioned neuroplasticity. Yeah. Uh, let's let's go down that road. Like so. I try to break things down very layman for in here. Um, I've done a lot of studying, you know, with the clinic and everything. And, uh, but sometimes these things can be these big words and <laughs> can be intimidating for people and, you know, maybe prevent them from going in. So that neuroplasticity, what, what is that? And why is it so, so important? Why is neuroplasticity so important? <laughs> okay. Breaking so, it down. Breaking it down. <laughs> all right. So we're talking about, patients who suffered a brain injury. And again, brain injury is a large word. It can be physical, can be stroke-related, ischemic, or hemorrhagic. It can be emotional. Um, and we're talking about patients who have significant um, both physical, cognitive, and emotional disabilities. Each patient is, you know, their own world and their own injury. No patient is alike the other. Um, and like I said earlier, quality of life, that's what it's all about. And the only way you'll be able to recover, recover some of it is neuroplasticity, meaning you want to regenerate parts of the function that the brain used to do. So if we're talking about um, a paralyzed patient who cannot move their arm anymore, we want to regenerate that function 
of moving the arm in an area that's very, very near the area that was injured um, to take place and take ownership of moving the arm or moving the hand. And the only way you will do this is by neuroplasticity. You need to create new nerve cells, you need to supply them with new blood vessels so they will get energy, and they need to create those connections or synapses to actually be connected to the hand in order to move it, mm -hmm. right? So that's what neuroplasticity is all about, is to recover function that were lost. Okay. This so, is the, the basic principle of neurorehabilitation. Okay. So you see like a stroke patient and, you know, everyone thinks of like that kind of that drooping face, you know, and you even mentioned too, like the loss of limb, uh, movement of limbs. So with the, with the stroke patients, you know, you, you, people are familiar with like, you know, sometimes the side of that face droops, or maybe you do lose some um, mobility. Are you guys able to repair that? Are you guys able to repair that, the droop in the, in the loss of loss of mobile uh, of your limbs? That's amazing. Right. So, and and it comes down to how much, right? And that's why we do the assessment. That's why we 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 compare the physical abilities and what we see in imaging and predict how much can we improve it. It will probably will never get to a hundred percent back because eventually um anyone that we repair is not is never gonna be like the original yeah. portion of it. But the goal is to get as close as possible. Mm -hmm. And like I said, every every patient is their own world and every single patient has a different brain wound and it comes down to how the brain wound looks and which area can we save, which area can we actually get neuroplasticity in. And that translates to how much movement back we get. That's awesome. That's great. So uh, we you mentioned, you know, you being a neurosurgeon and, and I'm sure you've seen some uh, pretty severe cases of brain damage I'm trying to think of how to say this. <laughs> so obviously someone could come in and you're, you're missing a chunk of your brain, you know, you know, they, you're, you're trying to repair that. What is the severity? What's the most severe you've seen recover through hyperbaric and through your guys' uh, clinic and your, your protocols? Wow. How like the, the most severe patient. Yeah. Um, Wow, it, it, there, are, there are so many um, on each indication. So traumatic brain injury, we saw patients that you know were operated, um, lost huge mass of their brain tissue. Um, you know, their skull was replaced with um, what we call craniplasty. Um, patients that were very, very disabled were not able to talk. Um, saw patients in stroke patients that were literally aphatic, uh, meaning they could not talk at all, right? Their their speech center was gone. Um, and we saw patients with significant cognitive decline, whether it was, um, I'm thinking of several patients, um, you know, that could not remember anything from their past or even what they did this morning. Um, you know, people a lot of time neglect how important cognitive function is yeah. um, and not just being paralyzed is how they actually function on their thought process. So yes, we saw, I saw, treated many, many severe patients and 
in a lot of them we had amazing success stories so for instance the the one patient i'm thinking of uh was a 64 year old woman who was literally paralyzed in her right arm right leg and she, she barely could lift it um and she could not talk at all simply could not talk at all and after doing our program the person the patient returned to talk which was like yes she was still stuttering oh. but she talked which was wow. a huge 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 success and uh, and you know and i remember her and her relatives simply crying um and also you know her her ability to move um and you know she 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 was able to go out of her wheelchair and to walk around yes obviously if you take a look at her she's obviously uh disabled but she's able to mobilize on her home which is you know amazing. it's not the difference from yeah it's not the difference from zero to a hundred it's like a zero to a thousand <laughs> on her perspective of life right we cannot even imagine what it is to be in a wheelchair yeah and, and not only are you helping this person physically but like that that mental anguish behind not being able to speak not being able to talk i mean your restriction so you're you're repairing that per, that whole whole body mind everything with that person and not only that you're you're helping an entire family out you know i mean just just having that person back in your life you know able to speak is just i mean amazing to me that's absolutely amazing um so then we're going to i want to switch over to ptsd obviously this is a veteran veterans voice veteran podcast um and and ptsd over the last 20 years is is running rampant and it's you know it's every level from to you know severe to mild but i think a majority of people that have served over the last 20 years and, and longer um, suffer from it and so there there is help out there obviously there is there is a way to to repair ptsd through the tbi through the brain injury through that through those uh through hbot and and other other modalities too but what what have you seen through the veterans community um you know severity and then through help and how many i mean approximately how many veterans do you think you guys have helped out so so first of all babe um we have a center here in florida and in dubai and obviously our research center in israel um so i would say we're already talking about more than um 300 PTSD cases gone through this. Uh, and I would say, you know, it started off as a program um, or as a research randomized trial for TBI with PTSD. And I, I think we have enough data today um, to show that if it's the combination of TBI and PTSD, that we have both physical trauma or of trauma from a blast plus uh, PTSD, those patients um, respond so significantly to the program. Um, there have been both our studies as well as um, uh, U.S. studies uh, that have been performed and showing quality of life, cognitive function, PTSD symptoms, just overall reaction. And we also show what actually happens in the brain. We, we see, we, we published this a couple of years ago, showing that Basically, the frontal areas, the, the frontal lobes right here. Yeah. Uh, we show that literally they do not function at all when they start. And 
when they finish after three months, we see it lights up like a normal person mm-hmm. on the function wise. And that correlates with all the different parameters with we measure um, with our psychologists for their PTSD symptoms. Um, so for that population, you know, TBI plus PTSD, this is way over recommended patient, um, you know, indication. And we also uh, published um, two years after what happened with those patients two years after to make sure that this is not just a short-term effect. Two years after, they they they're exactly where they are. They get they preserve all their abilities. Even in some cases, a little even even a bit better. Most of them return to work, return to society. Um, it's an it's an amazing thing to see. You know, people that have suffered for PTSD for five, six, even ten years, and all of a sudden go back to life and reestablish their quality of life. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we see it a lot around here, and and yeah. you know, with those PTSD cases and TBI, you know, obviously very correlated. Um, and, and 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 on on based on that study and. Uh, you know, I, I know this is a veteran uh, podcast, but I really want to stress out that the Israeli government saw the, those publications and the results, and the Ministry of the Defense, uh, you know, the DOD of Israel, let's mm-hmm. call it, um, saw those results and basically approved therapy for PTSD for soldiers or for people who were um, involved in terror attacks in Israel to have this treatment covered um, as veterans. Wow. Um, and it literally, and I, I would say this is incredible. This is the most uh, best thing that could ever happen, I would say. Um, but on the other hand, for me as a scientist, as a uh, researcher, this has literally stopped our ability to recruit, right? Yeah. Now, no one will want to go to a randomized controlled trial to continue this program because they can get it covered and just go for the treatment. Because, mm-hmm. you know, because when we do studies, half of the patients are getting sham treatment. Yeah. Right? So why would you risk going 50% on that if you can get the treatment already? So it's it's an amazing, amazing news, but with a slight asterisk. You're listening to The Veteran's Voice, presented by USAA, in partnership with Optum, Medicare Mentors, Colorado Computer Support, and the WireNet Home Services. So you said we were talking about veterans and, and how much it's it's really helped out and up to 300 veterans and how everything got basically signed off by the Ministry of Defense for Israel. Mm. Yeah, and, and I, I guess and I, again on the on the personal note, you can definitely think about it if you want to put it in. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, in Israel at this time, we are expecting a huge, huge surge of PTSD patients, sure. um, um, and we already see them. You know, they're talking about the, the expectations are about half a million patients. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, both military and civilians. So. PTSD in Israel is is literally on an an unproceeding surge right now, and we are preparing for that. Right? Um, the trauma center in um, the Shamir Medical Center is preparing for that, and we will do everything we can to to support it. 
and I'm not sure how how healthcare works in Israel. Yeah. Uh, but is for someone that is struggling with this there, whether they're in the military or not, if they don't have the means to pay for this or don't have the insurance to pay for this, is is the trial uh, a a possibility for these for these uh, patients? Right. So you you touch point exactly. So I think um, you know this is yet not yet. Uh, a healthcare covered indication yet. Obviously, that's what we're leading to and what we want. So uh, most of the program is out of pocket. However, like I said, for people who are part of a terror attack or veterans from the military, this will be covered by the government, from the DOD of Israel, like I said. And, um, then, and, and that's an, an exception, right? Yeah, and, and we're... Same, we're doing the same thing here in the states. Of, you know, it's it's not a, a uh, insurance covered uh, protocol. So, like I know that my foundation, we pay for some people to go uh, with some serious conditions. Um, but that's what we're all striving for: is getting, you know, and you're doing amazing work with these trials and and collecting all this data to get it to the government, and get it to these insurance companies, and saying, hey, this is this is an actual thing because. Since these things have come around, you know, even TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation, has been around for 20 years. But Stanford just did a study on it two years ago that that opened it up to, you know, holy cow, this this thing actually works. And um, so insurance is paying for TMS, but then you have the ketamine, you have the psychedelics, you have hyperbaric chambers that some people still think is witchcraft. And so it's it's great that you're doing these trials and collecting all this data to to show people, you know, what this with these protocols. We're no longer putting band-aids on things. We're no longer just prescribing drugs and masking symptoms and zoning people out. Where you guys are getting to the root of root of the problem, which is amazing. Uh, so, where how can people get a get a hold of you guys here in the states for the veterans around the country here? So we have our website, um, you know, aviv-clinics.com. Um, there is. There's a contact us. Obviously, if, if people want to reach me directly, I have I have no problem in, in, in giving my email a V. Um, I mean, sorry, Amir at avivscientific.com. I'm I I'm here to help patients. So if anyone want to reach out and ask anything, um, they can either do it from their website or uh, contact me. Um, I'd love to help and see how. How uh, we can get to uh, veterans and see how we can help them for sure. And also, you know, if it's not a veteran and listening to your podcast with a neurological indication that, that has not um, been fully recovered, we can definitely look into that. Um, so one yeah. of the yeah, so one of the things that we've been looking up, you know, the National Library of Medicine uh, published a, a thing that said or a, an article talking about the uh, hyperbaric therapy can be beneficial for treatment resistant PTSD. Uh, what is, what does treatment resistant PTSD mean? Have you dealt with any of these cases yet? So those were, that's the indication criteria, right? Um, all the patients that we did in the study are um, PTSD resistant uh, patients. Mm -hmm. um, they have to go through certain therapeutic modalities such as uh, different medications for a uh, specific uh, uh, time 
psychotherapy, in, in EMDR. So a couple of uh, modalities that are considered first line and second line, and even third line for these patients um, when, they, when they're just diagnosed, right? But most of these patients we're talking about, they've been suffering from this for years. So they've gone through all the different therapeutic modalities out there. Um, then they become treatment resistant, that they still have significant symptoms, even though they tried all the different treatment modalities that are covered or even not covered out there. Mm -hmm. um, so that's all the patients that we deal with. We, we would not, I would, and I would say this on any indication that I treat, I would not, I'm not here to substitute any uh, approved medical intervention. Like when a person has a stroke, they first go to the hospital, they're treated for that. They are uh, being evaluated, then they go to uh, PT and OT, and they go to the standard treatment that is obviously covered uh, for stroke. But those usually end up with partial recovery. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to regenerate it, reignite it, and get better recovery. Same goes for the PTSD. They suffer through, whether it's a terror attack, whether it's a military incident or an emotional incident as a civilian, they suffer it. Um, then there is the acute phase that patients should go and seek therapy. Um, we still call it acute stress disorder in the first uh, couple of months. And then when it's uh, beyond that, we call it PTSD. There are specific modalities that the patient should see, including psychotherapy, EMDR, which is eye movement-based um, uh, therapy, um, different medication, and different uh, psychotherapic uh, into, um, treatments. And if they don't recover fully, if they still are very, very um, disabled, that's where we, we're there for. That's when we want to help. Yeah, and, and I, I feel like the hyperbaric, even with all these other treatments, is just such a great complement to it. Because when you're doing psychotherapy and when you're doing like the ketamine and, and TMS and uh, the AMDR, you know, with that hyperbaric, you're promoting that blood flow to the brain and you're repairing those tissues and you're, you're lowering inflammation. And so you're making it a, a canvas essentially to create, to, for everything else to complement. Um, and that's really important because you can sit there and do all the therapy you want, but if you have TBI, if you have brain damage, whether it be through trauma or through blast, you need to, you need to fix everything as a whole. Um, am I correct in saying that? Yes, I guess. So, so, so here's the thing. So I, I think, um, I would, I would stress that while you're doing hyperbaric oxygen therapy, you are regenerating tissue. Then mm -hmm. you definitely want to stimulate that tissue and help it regenerate to the full by stimulating both through psychotherapy, through different stimulations, cognitively, like I said, uh, TMS, um, and do psychotherapy because you're generating new tissue. And we gave the example, for example, uh, before that, uh, the, the, the repressed memories. You need to process it with yeah. the patient. 
Yeah, right? we're gonna memorize gonna... trauma. <laughs> you need to be able to definitely deal with exactly that your brain brain suppressed a long time ago. <laughs> exactly. So now you basically bring them back to the acute phase, sort mm -hmm. of, and you're applying again what you try while regenerating that tissue, while making it functional. You want to process it and heal it. Mm -hmm. okay? So you have to do the adjunctive treatments while you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I guess if you, if you create these new, or just regenerate this, this brain tissue and regenerate these portions of your brain that haven't been used and you're not you doing the psychotherapy and other things, you could just put bad stuff back in there. Right. Especially with that trauma. If you're bringing that trauma back out, that trauma can be used for bad if you're not seeking out other help. Correct, and I, I think that's 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 a major point on let, let, let's let's um, call it a safety. When we first discovered that repressed memory mechanism that it can resurface in hyperbaric oxygen therapy, we published this as a call for all the centers who are using hyperbaric oxygen therapy as a watch out, look out. Um, you have to have someone on board that can help out. You cannot just say, "All right, get in." everything will be fine. And no, you have to have professional staff that know how to take care of patients with PTSD. Doing this just, you know, a technician somewhere in the middle of nowhere is uh, reckless. Yeah. And I would even say that since that study published, we even added it to our informed consent. You know, there are a couple of uh very small side effects that can happen from hyperbaric oxygen therapy, but we added resurfacing of repressed memory as one of them. Um, and the patient needs to be aware of that and the center has to be ready for it. Yeah, for sure. That's it, even when I was in the military, I, you know, I sought counseling and I always made it a, a try to normalize as much as possible, made it very normal that I was like I'm telling all my guys, hey, I'm going to get I'm going to my counseling. You guys should all go too. So counseling, <laughs> I believe everybody should do it. And I say that on here all the time. Everyone that's listening, all especially veterans out there, go see counseling, please. It's just tools for the toolbox. But now it's it's great that we have the Department of Defense here and in, in same in Israel that are are looking at these different holistic views of of changing these, you know, with different kinds of care because I know here in the States it's, it was for a long time behavior health was dealt with, with pills and talk therapy. And, and those pills were just kind of tearing people up. I mean, the side effects from all these other pills when you have two, three, four at a time can be pretty damaging to your body and to your brain. Um, so it's that counseling is highly important, but these, these, these new treatments that are coming out, these non-standard treatments are, are starting to be the forefront and i think that's amazing that you're you know you you were you've been doing this for quite a while how long have have you been doing it here in the states so we're here in the states uh since 2020 um so four years uh almost um but we've been doing this since 2008 so definitely a long time a lot of um efforts to do it both clinically and research supporting it um, since 2008. And that's how we operate um, to really push ourselves to get great data out there, great science out there to support and improve what we do clinically.
Colorado Computer Support. Imagine never having to worry about your information systems ever again. Colorado Computer Support, the exclusive Veterans Voice technology partner meeting all of our computing needs. Colorado Computer Support is veteran-owned, and they are your team for innovative, collaborative IT services and solutions to enhance and support your Colorado business. When you need IT services to keep your business going, make sure the Colorado Computer Support team is on your team. Call 719-355-2440 to learn more. That's 719-355-2440. The WireNet Home Services. Every season brings a new strain on your home systems. Veterans Voice partner, the WireNet Home Services, is the company you can count on to handle your heating, cooling, and electrical needs. They're family-owned, proud to employ honest, hardworking Coloradans. When you need plumbing, heating, cooling, or electrical help, the WireNet does that. Call 719-399-5021. That's 719-399-5021. Come to my favorite part of the show. Uh, and I always say this to everybody because I love to be able to connect to listeners. So tell me a story. Like I said, it can be funny. It can be serious. Tell me a story that you think will connect with the listeners and maybe get a little information out here, more information about the hyperbaric. Sure. Um, I think the best way um, to tell you a little bit of this is is a story of one of our patients, um, 60 plus years old woman um, who was a medic for 40 years in the military. And she treated a lot of wounded soldiers in different tours, different deployments. Um, and she developed very, very resistant PTSD. Uh, you know, I think it's a sad story eventually. Um, and she came to us after a lot of years dealing with it, with the different symptoms of PTSD, of different, uh, the depression related to that, the nightmares, um, the inability to go to work after military, after she retired from that, um, and simply being dysfunctional. And she came to us, um, we did our evaluation, we found with our modalities, her brain wound, very, very classic PTSD region dysfunctional. And we incorporated her in the program. She went and did three months with her. Um, on the first month after, yeah, four, four and a half weeks, she started having resurfacing of a lot of different visions, different memories. Um, and it was not easy. It was not easy. It took a lot of us from the psychotherapist, the nurse psychologist, the physicians, the nurses here, all um, wrapped her with everything that we could to help her go through this. And at the end of this, she came out a new person. Um, really, really new person. Now we're talking about significant emotional improvement. She's, you know, uh, people are quantifying PTSD as a number, right? There's a the classic cup score uh, to know how severe it is. So she had a very, very severe and uh, number. And at the end of this, she basically had no PTSD. Her number is actually ruling out PTSD diagnosis. Um, so literally she was cured. Wow. Put it, uh, and, you know, that's, and her subjective speaking of it is, is, is just amazing. She literally got her life back and it, it's so moving to get someone who gave to this country 
so much to give them their life back. So at the end, this is a happy story. Um, and we're very lucky that she came here and we're lucky that we helped her to gain her life back. That's amazing. That's thank you. That's a great story. Um, and for all the listeners out there, it, it shows that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, there is, there is treatment out there. There's, there, and there's a bunch of people out there that want to help that are creating these things and creating these, opening these clinics that are for these specific trauma and are these specific injuries. And, and so don't stop seeking help there's light out there there's people that want to help um so are you still doing trials are you going to continue to do these trials and if so how do people sign up to for the trial so to answer the first one all my life yeah so that's that's my goal is um to continue research and to have it all approved and part of our standard healthcare that's our life goal that's my life goal um so definitely yes continue research through all my career and to get into the different trials we're doing yeah reach out either directly to me or to our website aviv-clinics.com and we'll see which if they're eligible obviously they're you know when you do a randomized control trial it's it's a bit more strict mm -hmm. um but we'll be happy to look into that okay yeah, I definitely, um, we're going to keep in contact through my, you know, my nonprofits with Mount Carmel here. Um, we have people coming in all the time. Uh, and I think this is a really good option. I think this is a really good, uh, really good thing to to push out to the veteran community here in Colorado Springs and and throughout the country. Um, so we might be filling your doors up, Dr. Hedeni. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Uh, thank you for what you're doing for the veteran community. Uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, if you have these issues, if you have PTSD, if you have TBI and, and you, you think you've, you've tried it all, get a hold of Dr. Hadani, uh, Aviv Clinic down in Florida. Get a hold of us here at Mount Carmel. Uh, my email is pwatson at mountcarmelcenter.org. Uh, or or come on in and we can try to get you get you help so dr Daly, you have anything else for listeners out there um thank you for joining us i hope um we learn a little bit more about what aviv is doing and how we really want to change the world awesome awesome well thank again thank you so much for coming on thank you for what you do thank you for what you thank do. you you've been listening to the veterans voice Presented by USAA. Veterans Voice is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center and originates from the Optum Podcast Studio located on the Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center campus in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The podcast channel is provided by Medicare Mentors. Computing Power is provided by Technology Partner Colorado Computer Support. Additional funding is provided by Supporting Partner The Wirenut Home Services. Veterans Voice airs on flagship station KRDL News Radio Sundays at 7.30 a.m. The podcast publishes Saturday at 8 a.m. and is available on all your favorite podcast apps.